Welcome to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Broadmoor Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast.
You may recall, not long ago, we preached this passage. The man who was, because of his physical strangeness, an outcast according to the law, but under Christ, accepted through grace. I'd like to read this passage, the companion passage to that story, at least in the lectionary it is, from 1 John 4. Here are a few verses beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is perfected in us. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. And those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Man dies, goes to heaven. St. Peter meets him at the pearly gates and says, here's how it works. You need 100 points to get into heaven. You tell me all the good things you've done, and I'll give you a certain number of points for each item, depending on how good it was. When you reach 100, you'll get in. man says, okay. He says, I was married to the same woman for 50 years. I never cheated on her, loved her deep in my heart. St. Peter said, that's wonderful. That's worth two points. Only two points? He said, well, I attended church all my life and supported the church through my tithes and service. Terrific, says St. Peter. That's worth at least a point. One point. He said, I started a soup kitchen in my city and worked in a shelter for homeless veterans. Fantastic, says St. Peter. That's worth two more points. The man says two points. He's exasperated. He says, at this rate, the only way I'm going to make it into heaven is by God's grace. St. Peter says, bingo. You're in. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Grace. Dave shared that with the children this morning. A radical idea at the time. The Odyssey, written by po the poet Homer, 
describes for us human heroes that are better than the gods. The gods in Greek myths were vindictive, petty, deceitful. They played favorites and they made sport of interfering with human lives. For example, the goddess Calypso kept the poor human Odysseus with her on her island, Ithaca, far from his family, from his wife and son, simply because she wanted him for herself. Poseidon, the god of the seas, kept Odysseus as well, prisoner, inflicting disaster upon him and his men. And then the goddess Athena, Odysseus's champion, on Mount Olympus, the gods battling with one another used poor Odysseus as a pawn in their games. It's no wonder Socrates, the Greek philosopher, discouraged his students from reading these stories. He says the Greek gods were immoral unworthy of respect, though he himself probably gave them their due, went to the rituals, the worship services, but then left the gods alone. Apparently, this view of the gods was quite common at the time. People would give the appropriate sacrifices to their gods, but then they would not harm the priest, they would not violate the sacred spaces, but they did not want to draw the attention of the gods because nobody wanted the attention of the gods because when you had drawn their attention, that would be offset by your suffering. That was dangerous. Pretty reasonable, wouldn't you say? Many of us feel the same way about worshiping our God. We may not worship the Greek gods, but some of us come to church to keep God happy. Many of us come to pay our respects, and yet we keep careful distance from God. We leave some of this to the ministers. We do just enough to get God's stamp of approval, but then we're careful about getting too much exposure from God. We play it safe, do what's expected, we follow the rules, we do no more. Some of us act just like those ancient pagans. They weren't anti-religious they accepted their gods they paid their gods respect to get a blessing maybe to ward off attention from the gods like many today we want a little religion in the big moments of life but we resist letting God have further claim on our lives 
Maybe we don't see why God deserves any greater commitment from us. Maybe we're afraid to draw God's attention as we're afraid to draw the attention of the IRS. We want to return, but we don't want so much that we get audited, right? So maybe we don't see what God has to do with us. Two opinions about those who come and practice their religion in the holidays, the funerals, the weddings, memorials. I say on the one hand, if that's all that matters to us, then why bother at all? But on the other hand, I think, yes, come for the holiday, the funerals, the weddings, the memorials. In that way, we discover that the church is of more value, that God is not random and fickle, capricious, vengeful, but merciful and gracious, loving the text this morning speak of this love and the grace of God. We're so familiar with the passage from 1 John 4, which has embedded in that passage the short but powerful, memorable verse, God is love. Though so familiar that it may have lost its teeth, it was a shocking idea, really. Radical. God is love. Now, to the ancient pagans, that would have been absurd. Paul says the gospel is foolishness to the Greeks. That would have been foolish to the Greeks. Because it went against common experience of life. Think how most people on this planet experience life. Many people experience poverty, infant mortality, famine, fatal epidemics, natural disasters, deadly war, joblessness, foreclosures, divorce. To hear that God is love may not fit our life's experience. Think about the church. How people experience God through the church. Thankfully, many have a wonderful experience of God through the church. But some, some through the church experience God differently. Will they sing praises on Sunday and shout profanities the rest of the week? Or they say how loving and caring they are on Sundays, but how gossipy, petty, vengeful, judgmental they can be on Monday. So to hear God is love goes against so much of what some folks have experienced through the church. When the Pharisees asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Now had he stopped there, those reverends would have been happy. 
and we would have an easier theology. But he went on to say, and a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Rats. Who is my neighbor? John says, let us love one another, for love is from God. The one who does not, doesn't know God. And the one who says they love God, but don't love brother or sister, are liars. Now, don't we have the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? Why don't we just memorize that? Paul Tillich, theologian, says the Jews and the Greeks had that golden rule. They just had it in a negative form. It was what you do not want men to do to you, do not so to them. But even in the positive way we just read it, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, it's still not about love. It's calculating justice. And grace is not measured by calculating value or worth. True love is never about the worthiness of the object or the person. The golden rule says Tillich is merely due to others just enough that it equals what you might want for yourself. That is, if you want to be left alone, then avoid others. But that's calculating justice, not love. And Jesus never taught us to do just what's necessary. What does God do? God sends his son into the world. And that's our model. Sent to a world of enemies, of religious zealots, of the homeless, diseased, the broken, a world of shallow, fickle emotions and materialism, a world bent on hate, grudges, fighting, into this world God sent his son. I heard someone put it this way. There's an embarrassing concreteness to our religion. That is, if you were to ask someone on the street if they love God, undoubtedly they would say, yes, they love God. But if you said, now do you love the homeless? The politician, the immigrant, the poor, the lazy, they may give you a different answer. With Jesus, though, God's love is concrete. That is, it's down to earth. And Jesus didn't go about saving people from some abstract spiritual sense, but specific ways for the woman at the well, it was for living water. For Nicodemus, it was to be born again. For the rich young ruler, it was keep all the commandments and then sell all you have and give to the poor. For the sheep and the goats, it was 
feed the hungry, visit the poor, visit the imprisoned, give water to the thirsty. Concrete love, do something. He saved Zacchaeus from something concrete, from greed. Mary from prostitution. James and John from self-centered ambition. Peter from some snobby religion. Paul from legalism. Always something concrete. But he met their need as he meets our need with grace and salvation. Not just spiritual, in my heart, fire insurance. No, there's a second commandment. To love our neighbor as ourself. Grace, utterly undeserved, unmerited, unearned, unexpected, not a reward for doing good. It's no checklist. Schoolgirl's definition of sharing I heard was what you have to do when the teacher's watching, right? It's not that. In fact, it's not a lot we can do about it in the first place. In First John, it says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for us. So it started with God. Not about our ability, our goodness. Not about perfection, but about accepting that God has accepted us. It's grace. Sometimes we get the gospel backwards. We say, believe in Jesus Christ, keep the commandments, live a moral life, give up bad habits, go to church, join a committee, and then, maybe then, God will grant you grace. But that's law. That's law. Legalism. God sent grace, undeserved, unmerited, unearned, unexpected. You can never do anything to earn that acceptance with God. We over-spiritualize faith sometimes and miss the point. With Easter, we over-spiritualize by saying it's all about going to heaven. We miss the point that it's also about dying to our old life and sharing grace and love in our world. With Christmas, we over-spiritualize saying it's about welcoming Jesus into our heart and miss that it's also about becoming like Jesus in the flesh for our neighbor, our friend, our stranger, our enemy. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Yes. Do you love your neighbor? That's, that's hard. It's not cheap. It's not easy. I'll tell you a true story. It's not an easy story. It's a difficult one. It's extreme for making the point. Will Campbell, Baptist preacher, writer, lecturer, farmer, 
someone called him an equal opportunity prophet, says that the definition of the gospel is this. He says, spiritually, we are all illegitimate children invited, despite our paternity, to join God's family. All of us, illegitimate and yet invited to join the family. P.D. East decided to put Campbell's faith to a ruthless test. He said it was on a day when Alabama sheriff gunned down one of Campbell's friends. He was a student from Harvard Divinity School. East taunted Campbell, who was still grieving. He said, let's see if your definition of faith can stand the test. Did God love that gentle young man who had come south to lend his help to the civil rights cause? Campbell said, of course. He said, okay, what about that redneck sheriff who murdered him in cold blood? Did God love him? Campbell had to say, yes, God loved him too. He says, now here's the question. And Campbell said, stabbed him in his own heart. Which of these two blankety blanks do you think God loved the most? Campbell said he came face to face with the scandal of grace in that moment. He said, I agreed that the notion that a man could go to a store where a group of unarmed human beings were drinking soda pop and eating moon pies, fire a shotgun blast, and turn on another and send pellets ripping through them. God would set that man free. Almost, almost more than I can stand, he said. He said, but unless that is precisely the case, there is no gospel. Unless that is precisely the case, there is no gospel. There's no good news. That there's only bad news. We're back to law. Campbell learned that night grace extends not only to the undeserving but also to the people who deserve the opposite. It would be nice if we could just play it safe, follow a few rules, keep God at a distance until we needed something anyway. It would be nice if we could use this worship service as one of those points to get in, to keep God from noticing us, from calling us to do too much. We wouldn't want God to notice we haven't forgiven our brother or sister, or we haven't been generous with our money, or haven't reached out to the outcasts. But if we are offended that God could love and extend such grace 
to that murderer. That we may never know the grace of Christ for ourselves. Loving Christians abide in God and God abides in them. Those who say, I love God and hate brother and sister are liars. And those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. So loving one another is not a good idea. And it's not a good feeling. It's grace. It's what God does for us who don't deserve it. What we do for others who don't deserve it. For that woman who has not earned your kindness. Or that man who does not deserve your love. Or that group that hasn't merited your affection. Or that enemy who's not worthy of your forgiveness. That's why love is not an idea. Not an emotion. But it's like God. Who loved a world that didn't deserve it. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. So, brothers and sisters, we ought to love one another. And when we finally do, then maybe we'll know God in His grace. Let's pray. God, some of us came this morning fully aware of our imperfections, our flaws. The sense of unworthiness permeates our feelings and our thoughts. Some of us came feeling entirely worthy, entitled, having worked hard for you, We've earned it. And yet neither one of us is right. Because of your grace, you've included us. You've welcomed us. And though we haven't always shared that grace with others, we pray that today you'll change that. That we will change that that we might go living in to that amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. In Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to They Didn't Teach Us That in Seminary, the Baltimore Baptist Church of Baton Rouge podcast. Please like, review, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. If you have any questions, please submit them through the Anchor app or join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. right in our own Broadmoor Baptist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week.